Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. As always, I am Illegal86, uh, coming to you with a fresh, piping hot, fresh baked... It's Pi Day. Okay, that's the, that's where I'm going with this. We're recording this on Pi Day. Nerd Bomber, happy Pi Day. Thank you, thank you. It's Pi Day, Pi Day. Gotta get down on Pi Day. And good morning to you, because you look like you're going to fall asleep. Yeah, daylight savings time is not kind to me. It's gotten the best of Nerd Bomber, guys. I, I wasn't sure if we were going to bring that up on the air. Nerd Bomber's tired. So if that doesn't get you excited for a fresh-baked episode of the podcast, I don't know what will. Tactics here with us as well. You heard him over there. Before we get started, I want to I go around. Favorite pie. Now, I'm going to say it right out of the gate. I'm going to be that guy and say, uh, I don't like pie. I've never liked pie. I don't, I don't think pie is worth my time. So, and you're entitled to your opinion, right? Wrong, I would or pick like cop out per, for a person like me. Their cop out favorite pie is like that chocolate pie that's like someone was like, it's not really pie, but they call it pie. It's chocolate pie. You know what I'm talking about? Those like French silk it's pies. Basically get just them like in the freezer section. It's just like chocolate mousse with whipped cream and like Oreo crust, and yet they still call it a pie to make chocolate people like me feel pie. better. There's chocolate cream pie. There's banana cream. Uh, you know what I like? I'll tell you something that's pie adjacent that I like. My my dear sweet mother. She's Shout a pie? You, Mom. Yeah, I was going to say that. She is this, not a pie. We're edging on cannibalism here. No, she makes uh, an apple cobbler, which is like, that's kind of like pie, you know? Then why don't you just like apple pie? Apple pie's got too much. You got The ratio has to be correct. Cobbler is thin, so you get a lot of crumble and a lot of apple, and there's not too much of any one thing. With apple pie... The, the best part is the crust, and there's not very much of that. So you mostly just get, like, apples, which are good, but they're not... I don't like fruit desserts. I probably said this on the podcast before, too, and it's, well, it's a hill really I'm like willing to fruit. die on. Hey, okay, hold on. I love an apple. I love a banana. I love a good cherry. I love a grape. But Why not a dessert. Like wait, wait. Oh, here we go. When, I, when I'm having dessert, I'm, I'm on a one-way trip. Well, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to two places. I'm going to Flavortown, but on the way to Flavortown, I'm stopping over in Unhealthiesburg. I'm pretty sure Flavortown is patented. I don't think you can use that. I'm going to I'm going to Deliciousville. <laughs> is that okay? I'm going to Deliciousville and but I have a stopover on the way in Unhealthiesburg. And, you know, Fruitopolis is in the other opposite direction of that to me. So I don't know. That's how I feel about pie. I hope you've all enjoyed listening to me rant about pie. Uh Nerd Bomber, what's your favorite pie? I am also not really a big pie person. I do like a good chocolate cream pie, but I'm also pretty savvy on like a, a nice apple pie. Apple pie with a, a scoop of vanilla, but specifically French vanilla ice cream right on top. And you got to make sure you've got enough cinnamon on that pie crust. And woo hoo, that, that's a good pie. All right. So apple pie is my second favorite pie, but my first one, and this is going to this is going to ruffle some feathers, probably. I hope it does. Uh, shepherd's pie, because... That's not pie. Oh, gosh. No, that counts. That's that a counts good answer. Because it is delicious, and dinner is always the superior course to dessert. You're a savory man. I, I, I respect it. I mean, you could have said chicken pot pie, but you went with shepherd's chicken pie. Chicken pot pie is not I, that I great. Respect. Not a fan. Shepherd's pie. Big time. Now, there are some absolute lunatics out there, and I'm going to alienate some people, so just let, just let me go with it. Have you seen these people who eat apple pie with like a slice of cheese what what's that you've never heard about this no I've this never is heard a thing. about that i bet you i bet you it's surprisingly what kind of cheese is it like a swiss I, I, no well, no like, like a, a white cheese talking, no if you melt out brie brie no. and apple goes really really well together these would all make sense i'm almost positive and i'm googling now i believe it's cheddar no. interesting like cheddar cheese which is like a sharp cheese. Yeah, yeah i could see no. like a, a, wa- a mild white cheese hear me out hear me out tactic okay you're a big fondue guy we dip I'm apples an average sized in, fondue guy we dip apples in cheddar beer cheese all the time and it's delicious okay I yeah Googled but it's, it. it's split with menthol cheese to tone down the sharpness so purewow.com on september 7th 2020 so this is the slow times of covid they were looking for something to write about Apple pie with cheese, a surprising story behind the iconic and polarizing combo. Cheese, specifically sharp cheddar, has been served with apple pie in the U.S. as early as the 1800s, but the combination was likely born in England in the 17th century. A tradition of using dairy-based sauces in pies evolved into an affinity for topping pie with cheese instead. This, To me, this is we're in practical joke territory. I think the British were mad about losing us in, to us in the revolution. And they said, let's convince them that pie is good with cheese. And now they're just, they've been laughing at us for 200 years. Yeah, I, I, I second that theory. I'm with you all the way. 
so yeah so okay hit, hit me up on twitter at ow elite 86 at ow tactic at ow nerd bomber our main show account at online warriors one if you eat apple pie with cheese let's have a conversation about it because i need to understand that make sure to have that with illegal because if you eat apple pie with cheese i i frankly don't want to talk to you do you would you try it i bet you would like it you seem like the kind of person that would like it because you like savory stuff we'll see maybe secret segment maybe 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 that should be the punishment for we've been looking for a punishment this whole time for you losing the quizzes last year maybe it should be secret segment tactic eats apple pie with a slice of cheddar cheese live reacts live reacts and then me and Narbama are just watching you like and like laughing at you and like maybe eating chocolate pie because that's fun all right sign me up we'll run that by the lawyers but it seems like a reasonable idea and it seems like a safe idea there shouldn't be any waivers involved or anything we're look it's pie day but we're going to be talking about a lot of other things that are not pie related it would be crazy to talk about pie for an entire hour i don't think we can pull that off uh the big news obi-wan trailer we're going to get to that of course we're going to be talking a little bit about a YouTube channel that Square Enix has launched, which I'm very excited about. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about State of Play, that State of Play for March that came out last week, introduced, among other things, an absolutely bonkers dinosaur game. <laughs> so we'll get to that. I have a feeling Nerd Bomber has a lot to say about that in particular. Are you a dino gal? Is that fair to call you a dino gal? Are you dinosaur? Are you a dinosaur fan? Or is it, does this game just scratch you in the right place? I mean, I like me some dinosaurs. I'm not super obsessed, but my nephew is very, very obsessed with dinosaurs to the point where he can like name the scientific name of any dinosaur picture you show him and go into great detail about them. So by, I guess, osmosis, I'm also a dinosaur fan. Now, we can just, why don't we just start with this topic? Why don't we just, why don't we transition smoothly into Exoprimal, which great name, first of all, great name for a game. Capcom revealed this at the State of Play last week, coming to PS4 and PS5 in the year 2023, and will also be coming to Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. No exact release date. I guess there was a game called Dino Crisis, which I, I know nothing about, but apparently this is a... It's being hailed as a kind of spiritual successor to that game. Now, I, I'm i going to kind of draw a comparison here. So first of all, if you haven't watched the trailer, maybe go watch it now, because we're going to talk about it. I think I very reasonably drew a lot of connections to another Capcom game that I played back in the 360 days called Lost Planet, which I think people oh, might be sleeping oldie. on Lost Planet. Yeah, I, I, and I think people might be sleeping on Lost Planet. So Lost Planet was actually a game that I got. This was, I mean, this this was back when I was probably, I think was I in middle school, I think, when this came out. And middle school illegal wanted Gears of War so bad. And Mrs. Illegal, I guess at some point, saw that's my mom, not my wife, saw a commercial of like the chainsaw stuff and was like, my young lad Illegal is not going to be doing that. So Lost Planet was kind of there like, oh, get this game. It's kind of like Gears of War. It's not. First, first of all, it's not like Gears of War that much at all, but it was still a really cool game and it involves exosuits pretty heavily and aliens. So I got a lot of similar vibes from this game, but this trailer, I mean, it kind of just like, it kind of just dives right in on the absurdity, right? Like it starts with a, literally a weather forecast that re- like the forecast for Tuesday is calling for dinosaurs. Like what? And then a portal opens and it's just like a wave it's a wave of dinosaurs and like not like waving game traditional it's like they're all just coming through there they just well and they're not they're coming through like you would think like a portal would open on the ground and dinosaurs would march through in like epic fashion no no this what this game opted for was a portal opens in midair at like the height of a skyscraper and a bunch of velociraptors just kind of like fall out of it in like ragdoll physics mode and like just fall into stuff and cause you know absolute chaos immediately and then you're fighting them and it like the gameplay looked awesome yeah i'm excited for the concept because we've been saying when are we going to get some something original and you know we as millennials have experienced a lot of different things in our lifetime and i like to look at video games as predictions of what's next and we've seen plague video games we've seen war games we've, we've seen all of that in our lifetime and in video games so it's it's time that the next prediction for reality is a raining dinosaurs <laughs> and this is this is absolutely original and, and i'm i'm just exhausted with with all of the retelling of an, of the same story and this is this is certainly new now for me personally the vibe that i got on this was do you guys remember the game torok oh, i yeah. know of torok i never played it but I, it's kind of a this, yeah, was, this was a big for deal. me it felt like torok meets titanfall 
that was the vibe i got and yeah i never played titanfall either but i i i, I see that definitely and I'm excited about it. I mean, it seems mindless. It seems just like shoot 'em up. And like I said, it's new. This is this is a one that I am actually excited for. It looks like you have the ability. What, what caught my eye is they're kind of going through like you have these different these different suits that have these different power ups and abilities, right? Like one guy's just kind of shooting people. One guy's swording, well, shooting dinosaurs. The one guy's swording, slashing dinosaurs. One guy's just like a big meat shield. It looks like, which isn't doesn't seem very fun. But what kind of interested me was it looks like you can like switch suits mid mission, mid combat, which that's pretty cool. And like I imagine there's kind of a a real fire team dynamic they're going to push, kind of like Destiny, where like oh you get you get one you know slashy guy, one shooty guy, one shieldy guy, and one I don't know what the fourth thing did. I actually don't even remember. But there was like kind of these four exosuit archetypes that you you would pick between Mm -hmm. and then just kind of go out there and like i don't know get eaten by a t-rex maybe like you said kind of mindless but like it also strikes me like the one thing i'm worried about with this game is like they gotta lean into that like i don't want like there were some cinematics in this trailer they were like there's gonna be a story that takes itself seriously and i was like i don't know about that i hope it's more like a a borderlands type of story where there's an underpinning story that kind of carries you through the campaign but it's ridiculous and it doesn't take itself seriously at all I mean, I think we kind of get a little bit of that from, like you said, how the trailer even opens. Like, today's forecast is dinosaurs. Yeah, there's definite, like, tongue-in-cheekness in, like, the robot part. But then there's, like, this cutscene where, like, this girl's like, I want to be the best pilot. And I'm like, I don't care about you. It's a dinosaur game. <laughs> like, like it's it, it seems like they like they can't really do both. I think they should just kind of opt for, like, like Borderlands. You just, don't really just have too much about it. the characters. Just have a good time. And, yeah, like, be cartoony and embrace that aspect of it. And, and you're going to be fine. And unless you get eaten by a T-Rex, because that was like pretty intense. They're like the beginning of the trailer. They're like, look, you're fighting Velociraptors. It's easy. And then they're like, oh, a T-Rex just hacked you up. And then there's there's another chicken. I'm not up on dinosaurs. What was the one? What's the one with the big like umbrella shaped head? Triceratops? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, you don't know what a Triceratops is? Well, I get it mixed up with Stegosaurus and I didn't want to embarrass myself, but it looks like I do. Yeah, you're already on on track. I, I want like... I want Brontosaurus, who like aren't really in danger. They're they're not really dangerous, or it's kind of there, you know. That'd no, be but cool. think about it though. Like the swinging long neck, just like knocking the crap See, out of you and that, swinging you up the into thing. the air. They looked like they were aggressive. Even the Triceratops, which is a known herbivore, had like glowing red eyes. So I it's bet coming you, even, after you, yeah, even the the Bronchiosaurus is probably going to be like hyped up. Did we see any pterodactyls? Pterodactyls, if not. Pterodactyls, it'd be a missed opportunity. I would have to imagine they're going to be in there, but I want to see Sonny in the trailer. What are the little guys who spit in? What is the guy's face? Yeah, Newman. Newman. From, yeah, well, not, not not Newman. I mean, it's Newman from Seinfeld in, Jur- in Jurassic Park. It's not going to be in there. Those game. aren't they're real. Not real. No. At least the, wait, they made those up. Yeah, that that variant of them. They they sort of took a real dinosaur, made some tweaks, and made that thing. It's not real. They were like, how it's can science we really... fiction guys? This game is real. How can we really kill Newman? Yeah, maybe not those then. But I mean, they, I do hope they have they do expand beyond dinosaurs and have like megalodon and other like seafaring creatures that were around back in the day. I mean, look, look, Tactic. If you want to get technical, all right, are, are, isn't it isn't it a thing like don't all dinosaurs or like didn't they like technically all have feathers or something or isn't that a theory that they, they were did, like all, I think they've like, proven birds. that that there there were feathers on dinosaurs. Yeah, so. But if not necessarily that, all dinosaurs, right? It depends on what period you're coming from. Do you want to know something wild? And this is a little bit of a tangent. Yeah. So I got this advanced reader's copy of this book called, I think, The Day the Dinosaurs Died or something like that. The book's over there. I can I can look up the sounds, title later. It sounds like a real upper. Well, it, it was more about... Like it's a, it's a historical kind of purview of how dinosaurs went extinct and then how that basically spurred the evolution of mammals and how humans essentially took over the earth as the dominant species. So it wasn't necessarily a depressing thing, more so just like looking at how, you know, life evolved on earth. And I did not realize that we did not know as a society and like human scientists that dinosaurs were wiped out by the giant meteor until like the 90s and that is why we had things like armageddon and what was the other 
there was like deep t- impact deep impact yeah both of those movies came out because we had just discovered in the 90s that that is what wiped out the dinosaurs i don't know why but i thought for sure it was like something we had known for a long time but alas no did the book open up with bye bye mr dinosaur guy right <laughs> no it didn't I was thinking that too, the day the dinosaurs died. The day the dinos died. I mean, why, like, dinosaurs are crazy. Like, first of all, let's not gloss over that. Like, because you always hear too, like, didn't T-Rexes, like, not overlap with velociraptors? Like, they, there's there's such a huge expanse of time during which dinosaurs kind of just, like, ruled everything. And, like, if you look at the amount of time humans have spent as, quote, unquote, the dominant species on Earth, which I think you could even you could even con- contest that a little bit. It's like two seconds out of 24 hours. Like, if you if you, you, you ever read that, if you, like, scale up the entire existence of Earth or scale the time yeah, to, like, we'll a 24-hour day. Yeah, we'll probably make ourselves extinct before we even reach an hour. Yeah, well, we're, I think we're, like, literally, I think currently we're at, like, three seconds or something, if you, like, scale it that way. So it, it's it's crazy. Powerful beings, perfect perfect bullet sponges for a ridiculous exosuit game called Exoprimal, coming to a video game console near you in 2023. Other highlights from State of Play, I mean, that was really, I think that was one of the main announcements. I have a bone to pick with Ghostwire Tokyo. It looks so scary. No. It looks looks gorgeous. It looks, see, that's my problem with it. I actually think graphically it's it's a step behind what it could be. Like I think the gameplay looks cool. Did you not have your contacts in? I had my contacts in. I did not I wasn't feeling any any sort of realism from it. I I felt like graphically it was a step back. That's that hey, maybe different strokes for different folks. Maybe it was the art style that got me. I don't know. I just I I wanted more hyper realism from it even though it's like this crazy cosmic horror game. It there was very plenty of other games that you should have gotten that vibe from. Not that one. I I wholeheartedly yeah, disagree. Yeah, but this with game, you. I think I think this game. I'm gonna sh- like I'm gonna really shout trying. out to you on Twitter. Shout. You know what? Let's start a Twitter. Uh, let's start. You want to start a fight on Twitter? We could yeah. fight. We like actually fight on Twitter. Okay, we'll fight about it. Other games you guys want to mention here? I mean, I I the other thing I would make special mention of, even though I don't own it and haven't played it yet, I want to buy Returnal, and them adding a co-op mode makes it much more appealing. Makes it very appealing. But it's not split screen very key point it's not split screen which uh, yeah that is important but like them adding a survival mode also seems like I, I think more games need to do that like that's that's why nazi zombies is so popular it's just like survive as long as you can yeah just there's like something throw a bunch very of appealing at you yeah, there's something very appealing about that mode of gameplay in any particular game so i was excited to hear about that for sure uh, that update's dropping March 22nd of this year, so very soon. Any other things you guys want to shout out from State of Play? I, I just covered a lot of major points, but there's also a lot more here. I mean, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle collection, that's always cool. I love revisiting those games. They're old school, but that's kind of the stuff that I grew up on because I was a big TMNT person. So I'm very excited about that. 13 games. 13 games in that collection. Can we all agree that the Gundam one did not look great? Like, it looks like it could be fun, but it also looked very It looked like graphically it was from, like, the 360 era. There, I said it. Yep. I don't disagree with that. I think, I like, I think there are certain games, and, like, don't get me wrong, Gundam was, like, a few steps back. But, like, going back to Ghostwire for a second, the reason I'm so hard on it is because of games like Forbidden West that are just, like, heads and shoulders above everybody else. See, but here's the it thing. It makes me look at every other too. game and be like, what are you doing? If a certain game sort of establishes an art style, you can get away with it, right? And knowing the Certainly. the quality that's that's in within Gundam as far as their their animation, their comic books, and what we saw in that game, that is why I'm merely saying that that was underwhelming. Because, for example, the JoJo game, JoJo JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, their animation style is very unique. And obviously, it doesn't look polished because that's what the art style that we've grown to know and love. I will be honest; I had never heard of this series before. And Tactic, we're right. watching the thing, and Tactic within like, like two seconds, this I was like, is oh, JoJo. JoJo, and I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, I know nothing about it. Well, my point is, it's because they have a unique art style that you can like hone in on and go, "Yep, that's definitely coming from there." And that's why I, I wanted to make the point about Gundam, where it's this art style, and it's, it's you guys have known that that I pre-ordered 
that same art style for the Avengers comic book that's coming out where they're sort of in these Gundam robots because it's really cool. And then when I saw this unpolished sort of animation in this game, it was just like, come on, you guys, you guys got a great source material. Use it. And maybe we're being, I mean, this is like first look material, like maybe being too harsh on all these games. And also like for what it's worth, graphics aren't every, like I'm literally currently playing Mass Effect, which like, yeah, the remaster got a graphical update, but like, it still looks like it's the old school. It's it's still very much like an Xbox 360 era game, yeah. And like, guess what? It still rocks. So you know, who cares? Wait, can, can you say that again? Can you say that again one more time? I I'm I'm gonna give a more substantive Mass Effect update later because that's Ooh. something that I've been up to. So I'll, I'll, let's table that for now. Anything else we want to mention here before talking a little bit about Square Enix? I've mentioned my mentions worth mentioning. Yeah, same. Square Enix is launching a YouTube channel. And it's adding, this is an absolutely breakneck transition. There's no transition to be had. I'm just going right into the next news. So you're going to have to handle that. They're creating a music channel on YouTube, adding 5,500 tracks from their games to this channel. This is an absolute win. But like, So let me just take a moment and take you through my love for all things movie scores and video game music. So video game music actually... On a scientific level, I think we might we might have talked about this with Greg Edmondson. Shout out to our Greg Edmondson interview. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. He composed the music for the Uncharted games. Absolute A plus interview. Big fan of his. Continue to be a big fan of his. Here's to you, Greg. Uh, video game music is very carefully designed to allow you to listen to music without pulling too much of your focus. The reason, of course, being if you're playing a game and you need to focus on doing things in the game, the music can't pull too much of your focus. As a result. And and speaking as someone who, when I'm working at my job, I cannot listen to music with words in it. Like it, that phenomenon, by the way, is getting worse and worse for me as I really? continue working. Oh, it's it's it started for me when I was in graduate school, and it got it has reached a fever pitch of like I can't listen to music with words in it. So I'm always listening to classical music or movie scores or video game scores at the office. So like I'm pretty well versed in a lot of these, and I think it's great that they're putting the, this music on a on a YouTube channel, if only because as a constant purveyor of this, of these genres, the most frustrating thing in the world is when you're playing a game or watching a movie or watching like a movie trailer or watching something. And there's this beautiful piece of music in it and you can't find it or get it anywhere because the publisher is withholding it or because they just haven't made it clear what the music is. More transparency in that I think benefits everybody because by the way, like Square Enix is going to make money off of this. People are going to put it on and then listen to ads first and like in the middle of the like mid-roll ads see and they're gonna make money off of this. i'm really glad you Just brought win, that win. up because i don't think that's where they're gonna make money off this where they're going to make money off this is i'll bet you that they have a deal with youtube to do this to drive more people to get the paid version of youtube so that they get away from the ads and that's YouTube why music. i think yeah. yes i think this is a collaborative effort and i think it's a smart one at that i'm a yeah, little surprised like, I know Spotify has been a little controversial these days for a variety of reasons, but I'm just surprised, too, that they're not expanding to put this on other music services. I know even outside of Spotify, like, there's Tidal and, can tell you more, what is it, Apple, Apple music, music and, like, yeah. Amazon Music. There's so many, like, subscription music services. I'm surprised they didn't just put, like, the compendium of Square Enix music up there. Tidal music, I, I mean, Tidal, I don't know anything about, but, like... I don't know when when I think about the potential customer base for this or like user base for it, assuming they're throwing up a test balloon that only goes to one streaming service, I would think perhaps unreasonably and perhaps in some biased way that like YouTube music is the place where most of the gamers are going to listen to music. I don't know why that is, but like, I don't know. I'm a Spotify user myself. I know my brother uses YouTube music. See, I think it's people at stuck in corporate America where they have all these IT protections and you can't get on Spotify, but you can get on YouTube. That is also a good point. I honestly don't know what which one has the larger user base. I know amongst the people who work at my office, it's probably about a 50-50 split. I, I, like, I don't know anyone who's using anything but those two. But like, is Tidal still going on? <laughs> like, like, if no, it is, Tidal's I'd be surprised. Actually, it's I wouldn't call it big, but I know they were even offering in the midst of, you know, all of the, the Spotify nonsense the last few months, like Tidal actually got a little bit of a resurgence because they apparently have some kind of thing where you can take your Spotify playlist and import them 
and they'll match all of your your listening data so that it's a seamless transition. I guess their thing is high fidelity and high fidelity sound and high def video quality, which I didn't even know that was their thing. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, I forgot about them for a while. There's a lot of, it's kind of crazy how Spotify kind of did take a hold because if you go back and look through all of the different music subscription services, like do you remember when Pandora was the biggest thing ever? Everybody listened to Pandora. Yeah. And that's just like- Pandora was really cool. It was neat because of the, I mean, it's still around. You can still use it, but nobody uses it now because you don't get music on demand on Pandora. Like you're stuck to just doing radio. And I think that was probably a little bit of their downfall. I think people want a little bit more on demand with their music. Radio is fun in its own right. But yeah, I I totally agree. Well, that's why Spotify did both. They did both the radio and the, and they were just like, all right, thanks, Pandora. Bye. So I don't know. I mean, we're talking a lot about Final Fantasy soundtracks here. Chrono Trigger, Nier Automata. I don't know a whole lot of Square Enix's stuff. The Kingdom Hearts soundtrack is fire. Yeah, so I'm going to have to dive into these. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's to, again, to me, it's, I don't know how much there even is to talk about here because to me, it just seems like an absolute win-win for everybody. So do you think this will spur Nintendo or other publishers to do the same thing with their music? Um, no. I do not. <laughs> well, I, I, let me be more specific. In Nintendo's case, no, because Nintendo, I feel like, especially these days, they are very particularly stingy about their IP. And like, I guarantee you, if they came out with, if they had a uh, Nintendo like music channel with like, all, first of all, there are already like bootlegs of all the Metroid Prime soundtracks, and I got those going on loop all the time. So like, if they put those on there, that'd be that'd be great uh a lot of the mario soundtracks have their merits like i i think and pokemon of course like pokemon i know a lot of the music too and i don't even play the games because they're kind of like just earworms that kind of go along with our generation secretly love pokemon i do like pokemon music what's the one is that Pokemon? yeah it's really good so in other words, Nintendo should do this, but they're not going. They're not going to because they're they're kind of buttheads about that kind of stuff. That's 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 my opinion. I could see Sony doing it because they're less of buttheads and they like, especially games like The Last of Us and games like again Uncharted and stuff. Like they care very deeply about like they bring in like big composers to do it. So maybe they'll do it. I don't know. So yeah, we'll see. But good on you, Square Enix. In the meantime, you, you're first to the party at the very least. Maybe you'll set a good example for other publishers, other other devs, etc. We're going to talk Obi-Wan Kenobi, but before we do, we are going to head into our regularly scheduled break. But before we do that, I would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Mr. Stephen Keller, take a bow. Uh, you were on the show a few weeks ago. Good time. Good times were had by all. It was one of the perks that Stephen received as a night level supporter on our Patreon. He is a He's a knight. He's at our round table. Our, our, is it a square table? I think it's a square table. It's got sharp edges. He sits at that table with us and helps us plan the weekly game segment. He, of course, gets the occasional guest spot and input as the producer shout out and, of course, access to the monthly secret segment and the monthly vlog. There is also a squire level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And the page level gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So for more details on getting a hold of any of those levels of support, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Check out the details there. Thanks again to Steven. And uh, we'll take a short break now before coming back to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to bathroom time. Take this time to relax, unwind, and express yourself. We'll be back shortly, but for now, just listen to the sweet sounds of your faucet running or whatever helps you to smooth the process. Hmm. Okay, welcome back. I'm very excited for this topic. When I first watched the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer, the first thing I did was jump on the old podcast Discord that we have with with us three hosts. And I said, this is a must-discuss topic for next week's episode. It It is top build, top of the list, top flight. This trailer... So let's start with the negatives. I think there's there's chiefly one negative, which is that we did not see very much. <laughs> like when you actually take it and break it down, I don't think we saw very much. We didn't see any Hayden Christensen. We didn't even see very much of Obi Wan Kenobi, quite frankly. But this was otherwise amazing. 
in particular, I want to shout out, and kind of in keeping with the last topic that we discussed, the reuse of the episode three motifs from the score that John Williams put together for this were just unbelievable. It was the, the soundtrack got me so hooked in right away. Then the Duel of the Fates came in, and I they had me. They had me for however long they needed to have me. Can we talk about the stay hidden line? Why don't we? That Go was ahead. Luke, you, right? You, you, like, that was supposed to be Luke, right? I thought it was Obi-Wan. I don't know. No, the person who, who Obi-Wan said stay hidden to. Oh, oh, oh. He could have been saying it to Luke. He could have been saying it to even, like, Owen Lars. I feel like, I feel like Luke would have been too young at this point. Well, you, you have to figure, obviously, Luke and Owen Lars and Baru, like, they're going to play a part in this story. But based on what we saw in the trailer, there are other Jedi around, is my guess. Like, there are other... There are other Force-sensitive people who this bad guy. I think he's either the High Inquisitor or the Grand Inquisitor. I can't remember which one it is. This bad guy with the with the dual he's red lightsaber around. He's got a lot of questions. Uh, he's looking to continue exterminating the Jedi as originally started by Order sixty six, and it seems like he's doing a very good job of it, at least in terms of being menacing. And uh, I mean, from a continuity standpoint, he has to do a good job at it. Right. Exactly. But I loved the the Luke Skywalker sitting on the entrance to the hut, pretending like he was flying a ship. Like so many moments in this trailer, I was like, "This is this is why I'm a fan," and like it was it was great. I don't I don't I I'm just gushing about it, and I can't stop. So someone else should talk. Sure, I have a couple comments. So in addition to you know honing in on the fact that we already saw Luke potentially, so as as long as it wasn't a head fake. The other no thing, way, I no the, way the 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 him pretending to to fly around that convinced me that it was but i don't know they do things sometimes so i'm just still going to be skeptical but i wanted to ask the other thing is with respect to darth maul i always bring this up i brought it up last time do you still think that there is not going to be a pop-up of spider maul in this so actually and this i was reading about this just today before we started recording the old script before they came in and rehauled, re like overhauled it because apparently there was an original script that they came in and said, "No, we need to change all of this." Darth Maul was the original antagonist, and they <laughs> and they went and they went in and, and and changed everything. So I don't disagree. Like I I I think Spider Maul is a cool and like spoiler alert. But at this point, Solo came out whatever five years ago or something. Darth Maul shows up at the end of Solo. First of all, did you guys know that? Did yeah. I have to spoil it for you? Nope. Okay. You just unlocked a memory. And it, was, it was one of those things where it's been so long. Yeah, but in that scenario, it was pre the Darth Maul saga. In this, this is post the Darth Maul saga. It is not pre the Darth Maul saga. I don't think it is. Is Solo pre episode one? I don't think it is. I think it's between three and four. So Solo is pre Darth Maul episode one. No, no, it's not. I thought it was. I'm pretty sure Solo takes place between three and four, the same time Obi-Wan Kenobi does. So after Darth Maul has gotten cut in half. Well, yeah, because he shows up at the end of Solo and he's cut in half. So how could it take place before episode one? <laughs> are, you, are you with me? Are you back? At the end of Solo, he has the spider legs because he has been already cut in half. It takes place between three and four. So they kind of set him up to do some stuff at the end and they haven't had him do anything yet as far as I know. So that may have been the setup for him being in this show, but then they came in and like rejiggered the entire script. And now it's probably mostly just Obi-Wan fighting the Grand Inquisitor and Hayden Christensen, aka Darth Vader, which I can't believe we didn't see any Hayden Christensen. I was kind of bummed about that, but I was still super into this trailer, so I don't even really care. You know they're saving Hayden Christensen, though, for like a big reveal. Yeah. Well, I I looked on IMDb. Apparently, they're both like him and Ewan McGregor. They're both in all six episodes. So it's not like it's not like Darth Vader's not going to show up until like the third episode. No, he's in it right away, I guess. So which is very it just excites me a lot. Solo occurs both before and after Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you pull up the timeline, it like umbrellas it. Obi-Wan Kenobi like straddles. No, it's, it's Solo straddles Obi-Wan Kenobi? Correct. I'm trying to think what time jumps even exist in Solo. So that's a little confusing. But okay, so they did. Yeah, they're, they're kind of concurrent, which again, kind of feeds into the theory that I have, which is that when they ended Solo the way they did, they were setting up Darth Maul to make a comeback. And and, and by the way, doesn't isn't Darth Maul also in Clone Wars? And doesn't he like fight Obi-Wan Kenobi in Clone Wars too? Yeah, believe, they have a I rematch. Clone Wars. 
and yeah. it's like epic, so this is, and that's why I'm like, I want to see that, please. Right. So it's it's already like partially canon that that Darth Maul survived and everything, but I guess they decided to go a different way with Obi Wan Kenobi, or at least so it would seem at this point. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Nerd Bomber. Where are you at? Where are you at on this? Is this is this a, a watch for you? Is it a not watch? Is it a this is definitely Ewan a watch? McGregor still got it. Yeah. He definitely still has it. I he still got it. I feel like I definitely am not as big of a Star Wars nerd as either of you. So like. I tend to get a little bit lost in the details and I feel like I'm going to need a refresher course before I watch this. And I find that to be true. Like part of why I liked the Mandalorian and why it was kind of refreshing for me as a star Wars fan, but not a super fan is that you could kind of watch it in a self-contained manner. And so that's my only hesitation. Like I need to go in and do some research before I watch the show. I would guess. Yeah. I would definitely guess that Obi-Wan Kenobi is not going to be that. Like my honest guess is they're going to try not only to do callbacks to prequel episodes, but also they're going to like try and set up four. And I think in the same way that they did with Rogue One, they might try and do some similar stuff with this show. Basically like, okay, you know, where is, we know where Obi-Wan Kenobi needs to end up. He needs to end up a hermit in the desert. And like when Obi-Wan, it looks like when the show starts, he already is kind of that, but he's also not quite as hermity, it seems like, as he is at the start of four so like some some crap's gonna have to happen to him that's and I, I think that's interesting i was just man star wars i think after losing the basically a his his other half he's he's already set p- the path of becoming a hermit we just didn't get that vibe from the trailer i think the stuff that's gonna happen to him already happened to him personally from a psychological standpoint I, I, it's true but like even in th- at the end of three you definitely get the sense he's like i'm gonna go into hiding but i'm gonna be fine like he didn't give me a strong sense of like i am totally broken as a person to the point that i'm going to become a hermit and i don't know maybe that's gonna happen now maybe that maybe they feel like that hasn't happened yet and they need to really break him down that would be kind of depressing for a disney plus show but i mean what the heck i have not watched book of boba fett yet kind of tangent tangent topic here but have you guys watched that at all no but i've heard i need to for specific reasons that i don't want to spoil for anybody who hasn't watched it yet fair enough yeah i i i'll get to it i don't know it's disney plus shows like i'm aware of that like hawkeye came out and it kind of like went by me hawkeye Book was really Fett good came out. you should watch hawkeye but my, my point is they go by me and they just like for whatever reason i get the sense that they're low priority i'm just like i'll get to it and then i don't get to it but like it just i don't know as opposed to like other shows that when they come out i'm like i need to watch every episode of love is blind as quickly as possible that is not the vibe that i get from these shows i don't really know why but i'll probably watch both of the series i just mentioned i'll definitely be watching obi-wan kenobi obi-wan kenobi i believe this comes out may 26th i believe uh may 25th that was pretty close yeah this is gonna be a big deal i i think this might be their best work yet i have high hopes also shout out to joel edgerton owen lars I think he might be a good Owen Lars. He got he looks he looks the right way. I will say that much. Yeah. So we're gonna transition now into what are you up to Pi Day? Or what are you up to Wednesday? Whatever you prefer. There's gonna be there's not gonna be any pie in this segment. I guess I'll start by saying that. I have a big update. I did see the Batman and I've got some things to say. Okay. If you'll just bear with me. I'm about to sound like a sixty year old person, but I don't regret it. Old man yells at cloud movie and i don't think the batman is the only guilty movie of this it's a trend i've heard about before with shows like game of thrones and other big pop culture things i would say in any given action scene in the batman probably 20 to 30 percent of what was going on i could not see was it really dark it was it was insanely dark like there were there were entire fight scenes i was like i wish i knew what was going on like it was so dark like i get i get the point you're trying to make Matt Reeves. I get the point you're trying to make, but like, can we throw a little light in there so I can just like see where limbs are moving? Like wh- see, who's punching who? That's kind of the benefit of watching from home. Cause whenever we have a movie like that, you turn I, the brightness I, off. Yeah, yeah. I turn the brightness up like so high. We watched it. Uh, I watched it in a theater, a recliner theater to be specific, which was critical because it was also three hours long. If you didn't know that it's a long movie. I will say to its credit, it does not feel like a three hour movie. Or at least it didn't to me. The pacing was very good. It never dragged. It always knew where it was going, but I have a couple of other knocks I would like to I would like to bring up bring about. Our Pat Bat. So okay, Our Pat Bat was a mixed bag. There were certain things about Our Pat Bat I I quite liked. The Batman voice was good. The general vibe as Batman I thought was very good. He is not Bruce Wayne. 
like he just is he doesn't he's 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 pale and and kind of frail looking he didn't have the charm and he's got an emo swoop he didn't have any charm charm was like the opposite of what he had so he was like an anti-playboy he was the exact in terms of the bruce wayne-ness he was the exact opposite of christian bale christian bale say what you will about their batman portrayals of like the actual cape crusader christian bale's bruce wayne portrayal i think will maybe be forever unmatched i think it was flawless as like a a socialite who kind of plays up being a jerk and an idiot to like hide a secret identity and also just like look really suave and like a playboy would i think he was perfect robert pattinson admittedly because of the way the script was was kind of going for a different thing which was again a lot of darkness but it just it it didn't play as well to me him i I don't want to get into spoiler territory so there's certain things i want to talk about that i'm going to avoid the action scenes were at large quite good like the fight the fighting was great the ones you could see the ones you could see were good the car chase that you saw in the trailer with him and penguin was phenomenal it was really quite good the soundtrack the score uh michael g chikino wrote is phenomenal it's 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 a triumph i hope he gets awards for it there some of the character usage was very and i'm not going to get into specifics but there were certain characters that you think are going to be a big deal and then they're not and you're like what (laughs) like it's just like it made some very strange choices i i I wish i get more into specifics i can't but it made some very strange choices and i think i went into it expecting based on reviews and hype to be really wowed and like it wasn't bad but it wasn't like if i were to give it a one to a hundred score it would probably be in like the 60s maybe the low 70s really it just it just like it it didn't it didn't really blow me away in fact and in fact another thing i will say which is again a kind of a non-spoilery criticism to level this is definitely not the kind of movie that they want you laughing at ever i went with my fiance and one of my one of my good friends there were multiple times that we were all laughing <laughs> like there's certain things that is it like cringy? Are, that, a little un, i would say unintentionally funny and, and again I, I wish i'd get into specifics why but i can't the other main thing i will say that made it good paul dano as the riddler was phenomenal he was easily the best member of the cast. It wasn't even close. I, I, again, without getting into spoilers and like the ending and everything. That's How did what I that have to say. Rendition of the Riddler playoff. Very, very, very good. He was I, I, he was a compelling villain to me. I've always wanted like the only Riddler that we've gotten is like the Jim Carrey Zany, Zany Riddler, which is like he's Jim Carrey in a Riddler costume. Like whatever. This was like a and, and you and you saw the trailer. You know what you're getting. It's like a Zodiac killer Riddler, which is like he's really good. And like for the dark tone of the movie they were going for, he fit into it perfectly. He was great. He was the best part. So I, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say don't see it because it was still like it's worth your time and, and probably your money. But like, I want to kind of like put out a PSA to like temper your expectations. Everyone's been saying it's the best Batman ever. And I just after seeing it, I don't get that at all. I think both the Dark Knight and Batman Begins are better than this movie. That's fair. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of it's all personal opinion too. Like I like Christopher Nolan a lot in general. So maybe that just translated directly into his treatment of Batman, but you know, give it, check it out. Yeah. Especially like when it comes out to like rent or whatever, you definitely rent it on HBO Max or wherever it comes out. Like it's, it's, it's worth watching there, but turn the brightness up on your TV for goodness sakes turn the brightness up on your tv there were and there were a couple times we laughed it was because i would turn to either one of the people beside me and be like do you can you see anything and they'd be like no <laughs> and we we're like what are we doing here it was just like it was it's very confusing to me that that's how it was so that's one piece of, of the update for me the other piece is i did take a bit of a hiatus just because of like life busyness things i had, I had not played any mass effect in a while i'm back at it and i'm still moving at a snail's pace i just just got off pharaoh's just beat the thorian and you're probably you're probably thinking oh that's like two percent into the game and i'm sure it is but But are you enjoying it so far i'm enjoying it i said this last time Uh, side quests i have a i have a serious problem when someone is like help me i'm like well i have to help you like it's not even there's no question or internal discussion in my mind someone's like i need a power cell i'm like i will do anything i can to get that for you even if it like adds an hour onto like I, I think my current play time is six hours. And yeah, I just got off Pharos, which was the first planet I was on. And by the way, as you go, of course, the side quests really do be stacking up. They definitely <laughs> like, do. There's a lot to do. Like and I also will say, I don't know how long the first game is necessarily, but like as far as the upgrade track is going, like I think 
I think Shepard is already at level 10. And I think I have like, I got a lot of my, I got a lot of my skill bars pretty filled up. So I believe the first game is the shortest from what I remember. I believe the main story is around like 15 hours. I think I might be making this up. I believe it was only 15 hours. And then obviously you do side quests and stuff and you add some time. But I don't remember the first game being that long. Like I want to say that Pharos is... It's early in the game, but it's also not that early, if that makes sense. Well, because you and you like you look at the map. First of all, and I will say this is one complaint I have. The map system in that game is not good. If you want to go if if you want to go into a system to see what planets are in it, they're like, oh, you want to travel there? I'm like, no, I want to see what's there. Like, just (laughs) let me look what's there. And they're like, there are so many planets and systems. I kind of have it in my head, perhaps unreasonably, of like, am I going to be going to a lot of these planets in the main campaign? Because if so, I'm going to be playing this game for 30 years. And uh, we'll see. I don't know. It might be. I I don't know. (laughs) Do you want me to spoil about how many planets there are? Uh, No. Okay. I do not. (laughs) Thank you for thank you for offering. No, I'm I'm going to stay the course here. Uh, it's going to take me a while, but I'm I'm definitely enjoying myself. I'm enjoying the upgrade. You know, kind of the, the turning on the upgrade tree is is always something that I enjoy, and I'm enjoying it here. I will say too, from a gameplay perspective, I am definitely like. And let me ask a clarifying question. Actually, am I expected to direct my boys when to like use their skills? Because I'm not doing that. It depends what settings you have on. There's settings where they're pretty much autonomous and they do what they want, but you can, like, I remember the first time I played Mass Effect, I directed my teammates to do everything. And that was a little, it was like juggling and my, yeah, my current great. experience <laughs> and my, my current experience and play style is play the game and really only notice your squad mates when one of them dies. And then you're like, oh, crap, one of them died. I'm, I must be in trouble. And when I say died, I don't mean like permanent die. I mean like they get shot too much and they fall down. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. crap, something, something bad's happened. That's like, and like, I, I do think, I don't know what my settings are. I do think they are like doing crap, like they're activating. I, I'm not activating my own abilities either, by the way. I'm just kind of like shooting stuff, which may be the wrong way to do this. I don't really know. But I mean, that, I that's one of the nice things about Mass Effect, though, is you can really choose how you want to play. Like, I think the first time that I played Mass Effect, I think I did kind of what you were doing, where I didn't direct my teammates or maybe I started out and thought it was too hard. So then I stopped. But I was just doing a lot of shooting because, you know, I, I'm primarily a shooter that's right. the type of games that i play and i think in mass effect 2 that's when i really started like i think i really embraced the bionic side of things and started doing more of the like yeah tech i magic barely stuff. know barely know what biotics even are at this point i'm just like do i have an assault rifle all right i'll be fine like that's that's kind of my i'm i'm really in enjoying and into the sniper rifle which is not something i usually do but i'm doing a lot of that so I don't know. Having a good time. Continuing to churn. I will admit at one point, especially like when I took that hiatus, and I was tr- I was starting to get back into it. I was like, Deathloop's going to take me like eight hours to beat. Should I just do that? For, like, Because that's like <laughs> Deathloop is it, Deathloop is sitting there. Like I can see it while I'm playing Mass Effect. And I'm like, well, I'll see you in two years. Deathloop. Like it's there is like I do think after the first Mass Effect, I will probably switch to Deathloop and then go back to Mass Effect 2 or some something like that. Something of that nature. I I think that's uh, if a only as like a, a palate cleanser yeah like yeah. just like kind of get it get yeah it. you don't have to play it long i played it raged quit and never went back I didn't you beat no. yeah. oh yeah you did i thought you were talking about mass effect i was like no you definitely beat mass effect but no yeah he is raged- like is it hard uh not to like out you but like is it this is one it? boss that i was on the way to beat them is stupid and that's about all I'm going to tell you, because I, I want to see if I, you have the same experience. So there's different ways to approach things in Deathloop. And he was insisting on kind of brute forcing it. And I was like, why don't you try a different method? And he was just like, no. <laughs> and then he got frustrated. Tech, tactic, have you ever well, played an arcane game? Arcane well, game no, no, no. Like Here's the thing. I beat the boss. For that. I beat the boss. I did it. I beat the boss. And then I exit the building. And then I get shot and had to do it again. And I was like, no just no every every dishonored game and by every i mean the two that i played their whole shtick is like okay you can just kill this guy but do you want to be a good boy do you want to be a good boy it's better if you be a good boy like that's the whole thing right. about arcane but i imagine thing. that after, translates directly to after i beat uh, the death. boss it should have auto saved or saved or i shouldn't have had to do it again well i mean that's the whole point of the death loop though <laughs> no i know but like <laughs> 
We're we're sidetracking. That here. game has but, but, auto save when you make certain progress, and it was a like you normally death loop like as part of the story. This it was going to have me do it again. Right, but I I think the part that you didn't get because I don't know if you completed a full day, and this isn't really a spoiler because is like basically you get to the end of the day and you loop, so you're going to have to do it again. Yeah. Right. Right. So even though you did it that one time, you still would have had to right, do it again. But I st- I lost the abilities that I got from beating the yeah, boss. That's fair. So then I was just like, this is dumb. And you then you were big mad. Yeah. Then he uh, was just I, like, I'm look, he tapped out. I'm looking forward to playing that one. I I I'm, I have high hopes for it. Anyways, that's my update. I took like 20 minutes. I'm I'm sort of sorry, but not that much. We talked about Mass Effect. I'm sure you're happy, Nerd Bomber. Oh, I'm very happy. Anytime we talk about Mass Effect. So uh, what do you, what do you got for us this week? Me. All right, so you. yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely I'm here, guys. I'm a, I'm awake, uh, guys. Guys, daylight savings. <laughs> this episode is basically a, a PSA for like take away daylight savings because if we don't, Nerd Bomber will die next year. Like she won't make it. Well, you know what happens? No, just to just me? keep this time year round so the the day the sun sets later. What happens to me, and this is another daylight savings time tangent, but it's going to be short, I promise, is that, so I'm one of those people where I cannot go to sleep until like midnight. My brain just doesn't turn off. I have to be exhausted in order to fall asleep. So by trying- It sounds terrible. It sounds awful, first of all. Yeah. It It sounds like the worst. It's not great, but- like I can manage on like six, seven hours of sleep. Like that's just my life. I'm good. But the problem is that I tried to go to bed at what would have been 11 o'clock. And I could not fall asleep because it wasn't on the clock. It said it was midnight. But in my brain, it's like, it is 11 o'clock. What are you doing? This is not bedtime. So I just kind of laid there. And that's and that's when you say, I'm going to bed, brain. You got to talk back to your brain. Yeah. That's what I do. Then it, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I, I mean, yeah. I don't want to tell you what to do. But yeah, so that's... so I'm, I'm sleepy. But we watched Turning Red, the Disney Pixar movie that came out on Disney+. And yeah. It was great. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't think I would call it like Pixar's best movie or Disney's best movie in a while, but I really, I really liked it. It was set in the 2000s, if I'm remembering. It's a fun time. Yeah. So this is like pre-smartphones and back when, when we were kiddos. And I was honestly, it was refreshing because the story is, you know, this girl is 13 years old. She's an Asian Canadian living in Toronto, which I, first of all, I thought it was really cool that, you know, Canada representation, woo woo. I feel like there's not a lot of Canada in the media. And she turns 13 and in a kind of metaphor for, you know, puberty and the like that girls experience when they go through puberty, um, she turns into a big red panda anytime she gets emotional. That's what she calls that time of the month. The big red pandas here. And a lot of the movie is focused on, you know, this girl has been a kind of a people pleaser isn't the right word. More of like a parent pleaser where she's always, you know, doing what she's told, being the quote unquote good girl who follows anything that her parents tell her to do. Always, you know, does works hard and does well in school. And now suddenly, you know, she's battling a being a big giant red panda, but all of these emotions that come with puberty, like wanting to strike out and have your own friends and have that sense of independence, wanting to like find yourself and what you like versus, you know, what your parents tell you to like and kind of navigating her relationship with her, her parents and her family while trying to like find herself as she's growing up. And I just thought it was super interesting. I think it was the first time we've overtly seen any reference to puberty in a Disney movie. I think maybe they've skirted around it at times, but like this was a very direct, like they talked about periods and like her mom was like coming to her school, embarrassing her to give her like pads and stuff. And yeah, I I think Inside Out dabbled at the end with it, but it didn't really like. It didn't confront it head on. Yeah. Yeah. Like what it sounds like this did. And even like how she grapples with, you know, starting to like boys and stuff like that. It was very on the nose compared to a lot of other Disney Pixar movies in terms of, you know, grappling with becoming a young teenager and growing up. And it was pretty good. And especially as like a someone who kind of grew up in that era as a millennial, I think a lot of things were targeted towards millennials, like the boy band craze was kind of 
tapped upon and just oh like you know the cringy stuff you used to do like when you used to take videos of you and your friends doing just like goofy stuff because we had video cameras for the first time and we all for whatever reason thought it was a good idea to take videos of yourself doing super cringy stuff making music videos yeah like yeah we we did the weird videos i also would shout out to facebook statuses Shout out to like, you ever like, you ever been on Facebook and like, you're like, it's like, you have a memory from 2007. You're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it like, and it like ruins your day. Cause that happens to me like every day. Oh no. When you guys, you guys have no idea. This is a little fun fact about me. I legit made legitimate music videos with my friends. Like, like we, we added audio to it and we would lip sync the lyrics and then dub them in. And like, we would drive like do scenes where i'm driving past in my car and all this other stuff it was there it was but like top the, notch. like video camera like that era like it was interesting right because now kids all have cell phones that can take videos so like it's not like it's not a making videos like it's not a thing to do right whereas like back in the day not to sound old again but like Back in the day, we would be like hanging out and be like, hey, let's bust out the video camera and do something stupid. You know, like, like it, was, it was what you would do that day. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, we have phones that have cameras, so who cares? It was like, it was a thing. So, yeah, I, I feel you on that. So, you would recommend turning red? I would definitely recommend. Like I said, there's there's some things. I feel like it's one of those movies that maybe not everybody could relate to. But I think it puberty in general as a topic and, you know, finding your way and who you are is relatable enough that I think anybody could enjoy it. I think if you were one of the overachievers in school and your parents kind of like drove you to succeed in school and then maybe now as a, a millennial you're kind of burnt out and you kind of look back on some of the decisions and like did I do that because I liked it or did I do that because that's what I was told was like what I was supposed to do? I feel like it'll also hit home quite a bit and be super yeah, relatable. I feel, I feel a little seen right now so maybe I should yeah. watch watch it yeah definitely cool. yeah Consider i just did what i wanted plus, to do. Like, you guys are weird <laughs> i don't disagree with that characterization of of my younger self <laughs> i was i was i was weird there's no doubt i'm yeah. weird now though so other than that still you know cracking away at horizon i think i'll probably be playing that for a long time in it for the long haul i don't really have an update on that just still having fun so right on t-dog can i call you t-dog no so i have three updates one we finally watched the movie Zootopia. This has been out for quite some time. Holy crap! That's a deep. That's yeah. That's that's a throwback right there. And I great gotta movie. say, absolutely great movie. And you know, the biggest hype about this movie was the scene with the sloths, and it did not disappoint. Yeah, it me it. I see what you did at there. all. So the yeah, sloth scene play it plays hard. For uh, sure. Yeah, and then they wrap it up in the end with the sloth and the, and the fast car. Whew. Great movie. Recommend it if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's and it's it's a nice lesson. It tells you it doesn't matter if society tells you you can't do something. If you work hard, you try hard, and you think you can do it, and you believe in yourself, you can do it. So do it. Is it just me, or are you guys on an animated movie thing right now? We have been. Yeah. yeah. We, we need some, some lightheartedness. Um, the other thing is we started playing a co-op game together on the Switch, and that is Super Mario 3D World. This is split screen or rather couch co-op one to four players and it is just a light-hearted good time and you can kind of compete with each other to who gets the highest score that that world it's it's good time so if you haven't played that one and you're looking for a nice couch co-op game that's a kind of easy going chill game play that game also it comes with bowser's fury which is one to two players and you could play that with friends as well, but just one other friend. And then the last update, which you guys have probably seen on my social meds, is I made a new type of bread that I've never made before. It was a little hesitant. There was some experimentation there. And I got to say, it turned out phenomenal. I made an orange bread. It was an orange chocolate bread. And basically what I did is I had a recipe for zucchini bread, and I took out the zucchini from the recipe. I took out walnuts from the recipe. I replaced the walnuts with dark chocolate chips. And I replaced the zucchini with four clementines. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, Tech Tech, how did you, how did you just put the clementines in there? Great question. So here's what's actually interesting. I removed that little like nub from the outside of the clementines. And then I boiled them, skin and all. Whole clementines, four clem full clementines. Just boiled them for like, till they're super soft on the outside. Then I threw everything right 
skin and all in a blender, pureed it up, threw it in the mix, folded it through and through, and threw it in the oven for about an hour at 325 degrees. And I got to tell you, it was refreshing. It tasted kind of like chocolate oranges. Probably one of my favorite breads that I've ever made. And I finished it off with a nice powdered sugar icing on top. So that was the thing I was most excited for. You're 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 a culinary madman, if if I may say so myself, and I mean that very positively. Can confirm it was delicious. Not sure how the excess fiber intake from eating that much rind. I don't know how that's going to go over in our bellies. I mean, but it was it's, delicious. It's, it's an entire loaf. It only has four, and we're not eating the whole loaf in one sitting. We've had a number of slices, so it's it's no different than taking a bite of rind a day. Which people right eat on. candied orange skins like that's a thing. So gross not my thing i shouldn't say gross that's mean but not my thing cool keep us updated on all your bread ventures everyone else keep an eye on tactic social meds for, for any bread venture updates it's quiz time i am the quiz master on on this day and uh the quiz topic as selected by our patreon producer mark hamill hamill himself on twitter go go follow him there's actually a twitter question in here so get ready for that i'm a mark hamill fan we're all kind of mark hamill fans he just seems like a good guy a good guy right He's done some stuff. We're going to talk about it. Before we do, though, a quick update on the quiz records. I am four and three. Tectic is at three and three. Nerd Bomber at two and four. And uh, Stephen Keller, one and one and oh. Shout out to Stephen. So, Nerd Bomber, it's go time. So that's that's the takeaway here. First question. It's a it's a typical quiz classic. These are all, by the way, these are all Price is Right style as always. I got five questions and a tiebreaker in front of me. How old is Mark Hamill? And we're going to start with uh, Tectic. We're going to give Nerd Bomber a fighting chance here. Yeah, he's 56. Oh, you said that with such confidence. Are we sure about that? Hmm. I'm going to say, do I use the plus one off the bat? 57. Let's do it. Well, you profited off the plus one. He is 70 years old. He's 70? He's an old dude. I'm su- I mean, he looks older than 56 to me, but that's, I don't know. Man, I didn't want to bust. I had a feeling he was in the 70s, but like, I wasn't sure. So I just went super low and I thought, why not? I actually thought I was going to go second, and I already had locked a number into my head. <laughs> he's a he's an older gent, but he's still he still got it. Let, let's be clear. How many acting credits amongst those seventy years of life has Mark Hamill accrued on the Internet Movie Database (IMDb)? Oh boy, this is a lot. I'm gonna say 142. Yeah, it is up there. If you don't know this, in addition to Star Wars, Mark Hamill does a lot of voiceovers, and yeah. he's he's pretty big in the animated series. You even you might not realize he's the Joker in a lot of them too. So he's got a substantial amount of credits. But I feel like Nerd Bomber busted, so I'm gonna go one. Nerd Bomber takes a two to nothing. Woo! Three hundred and three hundred fifty four. So you know, actually, you weren't even you weren't even close. I was but, gonna say three hundred and fifty, but then I got scared, so I like kind of. We keep getting scared. Yeah. As you mentioned, lots of voice acting stuff. The Joker, Avatar, uh, among many other things. Uh, He also, I imagine, probably has a lot of acting credits for like being in, like providing voices for video games and stuff for like Star Wars things that aren't just the movies. I don't know that for sure, but I'm just speculating as to how many, how he has so many credits. But he is not just known for his acting. At one point, he actually co-wrote a comic book called The Black Pearl. How many issues of the Black Pearl came out? There was 56 issues. I don't think so. I think there were 10. Boy, Nerd Bomber, you almost did the victory lap there. Uh, you both busted. <sighs> it was it was a limited comic book series co-written with Eric Johnson in 1996 and 1997. There were only five issues. I should have gone lower. Apparently, it was based on a screenplay that Hamble originally wrote, and the, the movie itself never was created. At least I don't think it was created. Something's uh, got to be 56. So, so two nothing. There are two questions left. Tactic. It's time to get the lead out, my friend. Okay, this is my favorite question. I'm going to come in at, at question number four. Maybe the most pivotal question with it. Back in September of 2021, Twitter user at Watsabean12 tweeted, "Hamill himself. You could just tweet Mark Hamill, and you'd get thousands of likes." So, what did Mark Hamill do when he saw that? He tweeted, "Mark Hamill." How many likes did that tweet get? <laughs> First of all, do you guys remember this? Because I remember this. I do. I do remember this. Oh, boy. It was a lot. I'm up first, correct? It's question four, so you would be up first. Yes. I'm going to say 78,000. 78,001. The plus one has been utilized to great effect. 607,000. A lot of people liked it. And I, I think I did. 
Yeah, I did. I did too. I'm pretty sure. So there you go. Uh, okay, so we have one question left. Tactic. Uh, this is to force the tiebreaker. I don't know what protocol is here. Do we want to do a, a tie like a text in or text in is is when it's a tiebreaker? I thought. Am okay. I wrong? So this is this is this is a standard issue question then. Nerbomber does not have her plus one, so there's no plus one that can be done here. So it's still it's still fun. Of course, he did have some acting credits before Star Wars: A New Hope, but A New Hope was his first major role. How much did he earn in 1977 dollars? From what? A New Hope. From starring in A New Hope. Since 1977 dollars, we're not adjusting for inflation here. Two million dollars. I don't think it was that much. I think back then, wasn't it technically like a low budget movie? Like they didn't think it was going to necessarily go anywhere. If I'm remembering my Star Wars trivia well enough, I'm going to say he made $200,000. Nerdbomber brings it home. Uh, so Tectic, actually, it would he, he made $650,000, which today would be around $2.5 million. So you were, you were using today dollars by mistake. Is is the takeaway that I have? Yep. Uh, Nerd bummer. Congratulations. That brings you just to glad three it wasn't a sweep. Brings you to three and four. Brings Tectic to three and four, and I am at four and three. Guys, it's a dead heat. It's anybody's game here in the uh, 2022 quiz tracker. So uh, keep your eye on that. Uh, apparently, we're going to make Tectic eat a slice of apple pie with cheese. So that's maybe the punishment for next year as well. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Now the question with that though yeah. is. Are we sure. talking, should we just do like one of the McDonald's apple pies and then put like a craft single on it? I yeah, feel that like sounds pretty good. I, that I, would be I terrible, worry that, but that would be so well, funny. My worry is that a, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be bad enough. Like I, I think you need a sharp cheddar cheese. Craft singles are too like amenable to like actually not being terrible. I like craft singles personally. So maybe that's just me reflecting my or projecting my my preferences onto it. We'll, we'll, we'll iron out the finer details and, and, and get back to y'all. But that's what we have to look forward to. In the meantime, we thank you all for joining us for this Pi Day episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts if you are so inclined. Hit us up on Twitter. We mentioned our handles in the episode. And they can also be, I'm sure, easily searched in the old search bar. And yeah, with that in mind, I will turn it over to TechTick to take us out with a tech tip. So I want to tell you guys a little something about the human body. Your nose is located (laughs) right above your mouth. But... It will never, ever, ever, ever tell you that your breath stinks. And the only way that you will know if your breath stinks is only if you make the effort to cup your hands and smell it.